The Behemoth Brewing Company presents the Department of Conversation with Pat Brittenden. Behemoth, give me something hoppy. Kia ora Welcome back to another uh, fireside chat. Will Fleming in the house with us this evening. Will, kia ora and welcome to, uh, welcome to my fire, my fireplace. Oh, dude, kia ora Pat and everybody. It's uh, what a pleasure to be here with you during this time in history. It's, um, I can't think of too many other people that I'd like to sit down next to a digital fire with and you're one of them, brother. <laughs> Don't give away the secrets, right? I mean, no one knows that. Really, really, really no one knows that. Although Martin Davidson asked me on the first night, is that a real fire? And I went, yeah, yeah, it's really, really hot. It's hot, hot yeah. as up there. <laughs> yeah. I oh, look, that's very kind of you. Very kind uh, words that you mentioned as well. Thank you for joining us. And I guess people who don't know sort of our connection, it feels like you and I sort of started doing, I mean, in our, in our latest iteration, kind of started doing the latest iteration of our podcasts again together about the same time and we've sort of been talking about it all the way through and sort of catching up some stage you've been a guest on my podcast i mean i've never been on yours but i understand that you only get the top echelon and that's not a problem no, we've got to change I, that I, we've got to change i get that. it i get it no no, no 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 it's not we're not starting like this because we've got like an hour to go but look, i um i'm going to use the word that everyone kind of either loves or hates which is pivot you know the pivot, pivot. And I've pivoted again in this lockdown as opposed to last lockdown to, um, well, I'm going to see if I've got enough pre-recorded content of people in the studio. So coming here yeah. to my house, because yeah. I think we've lost this other little area in life now, which is like we're relying on this digital connection. And I think it's something like 80-20. As long as 80% is in real, then the digital stuff holds up. But this stuff is on steroids, and I don't know where it leads. So, yeah, I don't even know if I can scale that or what that means. But all I'm saying is you got to get yourself up these ways when we you can, mm. and um, and I'll try and do the same. I mean, you've had many of awesome people come to your place, right? And that's that's probably why you're so you know strong and able to keep it together um, because you, you you've banked up that humanity, if you like. Yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, I'd like to just get clarity on what you're saying about yourself. So are you sort of almost re-releasing IRL, like in real life podcasts with people and putting them out in there now? Like, like I mean, what I, what it makes me think of is like, you know, I, I listen to Mark Maron and the WTF podcast. When someone, say, passes away, he will re-release that podcast again. Are you sort of doing that for the in real life podcast, getting them up there again, giving that content out again to give people that, you know, interpersonal connection so they can see interpersonal connection rather than digital connection. Kind of, but I'm, I'm going to, so I had, because people come to my place, I went on a kind of good run before lockdown and I had three or four episodes. So that's going to pad right. me out a little bit. And then I've got three or four episodes from last lockdown that I didn't release because I didn't know what the state of the world was going to be. And I still don't, but I've got all these kind of episodes banked pre-first lockdown. So a life without COVID. And I feel like a year in, it might be interesting to see if there's any difference in how people talked then and now. So I'm are you saying sure that, that they haven't actually been released at all? They've just been sitting in your hard drive somewhere ready to be released? Just, wow. just, just me not knowing what to do with them because it felt awkward. Like I'd end the conversation and hug someone. And then, of course, in today's world, that's a, that's a, a danger. Oh, uh, 
Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think on a worldwide scale, you're probably right. But really, up until Delta ten days ago in New Zealand, I think we were living that life of hugging people and mm. you know that kind of stuff. Whereas today, it feels very different. I mean, I saw a headline today somewhere saying that um, you know level two might be what we basically have to get used to, sort of permanently. Mm. And that's a, a bit of a freak out. To be honest, it's been so long, I can't exactly remember what level two is, but it certainly is some restrictions. And I think it might be some restrictions around crowds and that kind of stuff. Nothing like what we're doing at the moment on level four. And for people who are, who are joining us and and and, and uh, watching us because we're live streaming, especially if you're international, because they've been happening quite a bit in the last few nights, uh, we are in New Zealand currently in a level four lockdown. And one of the reasons we're doing these evening side fireside chats is as I... Um, was working as a late night talkback host when the Christchurch earthquakes happened, I realized quite quickly that that late night time, if anyone was going to feel extra stress or extra anxiety or sort of extra isolated and lonely, it was that late late night um, time. So I thought, well, we can, we can do this. We can get some people together and basically just have a chat and people can join us and it can be another voice going into their house mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. Um, but to hear anyway, and so that's what we're doing this for and Will's graciously, you know, to come on board and we'll have a chat and if you want to join in there are chat engines on all the platforms we're playing on just enter your comments in there and we get them sent to us and we can pass on your thoughts or whatever last night we had a bit of a conversation the people in the chat were all talking to each other it was kind of cool anyway Mm. uh this idea about level two you know that could be our that could be our lives for the foreseeable future once we get out of four and four for us is currently basically go home stay home which is Mm. what we're in at the moment well, well. Also, it makes you think. Like I've been learning a bit about stress lately because I don't. A pet peeve of mine is when someone just says something like mindfulness, and everyone's expected to know what that means. Right. Like we're all got a different baseline depending on how we are, and that's just the kind of brutalness of life. That you know, you might just be someone who can tolerate things because of A and B. But the challenge that we have is we have these like scale conversations, like when everyone joins to watch the news, it's it's a conversation at scale. And there's like limited nuance because it has to work for everybody. And so I think that the issue we get into is like, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? You know, I, I'm not so sure what to do with all of this information. And in the end, I think it just registers as stress for a lot of us. So I think this came, I came up with a little bit of a um, (laughs) pivot using it the second time. Let's make that a drinking game. Every time (laughs) Will says pivot, uh, that I would try and understand stress. And the problem with these levels, as far as I can see, is they all indicate a certain level of stress. And I think we've got to be really mindful that I'm hoping when we talk about life at a level one or whatever that means is that it means you can go and give someone a hug, you know, or invite Mm. them over without having to pre think of too many things, or you're going to be triggering this response. And I don't know, be keen to get your thoughts. Like, are you doing these fireside chats because you know, there's a level of kind of triggering that's happening. You're easily triggered during this time because you're already kind of um, up regulated. I think for me, it really is genuinely about um, other people. Because to be honest, I work from home. Um, I'm in my office. This is what I do 
90% of the time. When I say this is what I do, I don't mean literally live stream broadcasting, but in this office with this equipment, is I'm working with clients and I'm making them radio adverts or I'm making a podcast and putting it out or I'm, you know, you know, working on a, um, you know, like a proposal for another thing I can do in the studio or whatever. So my life hasn't changed that much. And to be honest, I'm, I, I didn't, I didn't, well, I, if I, I mean, we've got time, I guess I can explain the whole story. I didn't feel too much stress per se, or probably what's tr more truthful is I didn't acknowledge too much stress in that first lockdown. And I had an incident at the end of last year, I started sort of uh, writing about it. And if people go onto my Instagram, they can have a look in the videos and see some stuff that I did about it, where I went to my daughter's, um, you know, uh, she was in whatever standard four is year six and they did like a play at the end of the year and the play was about the year and of course a part of that was to do with COVID and the lockdown and as a part of their play they had a character playing Jacinda and um, they played that sound and they played that audio that played on that lockdown you know at 11.59 tonight New Zealand will be going to a nationwide level four. It, it was they played the actual sound and my body went Ugh! And it was at that moment that I kind of realized when I mean, you're talking about stress, that there was stuff I was still holding on to from that. There was something quite deep. And I, and I don't want to belittle other people who have been through super serious attacks and stuff and they have real PTSD. I don't want to quite call it that. And, but it was something, it was something that was visceral and physical for me. And when I heard the sound <laughs> sitting in the auditorium, watching my uh, 11 year olds or 10 year olds play, I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. This is interesting yeah. because this has been a pretty fucking awful year <laughs> and I don't think I've acknowledged it. So whilst I felt like I kind of, I, I, I may be even able to say kind of enjoyed the lockdown last time around, um, there was other stuff going on on a deeper level that obviously I hadn't dealt with that I needed to deal with. Now, I, I'm again really I'm busy and I'm working and I've got my partner staying and you know I've got a, a boarder who lives here as well and she's turning 19 tomorrow and we're throwing her a big birthday party um, because she can't be with her family so we're kind of trying to celebrate that for her and you know and I'm I don't want to say that I'm enjoying it but I don't want to be flippant because this is hard for some people but I'm not feeling particularly stressed about it but in the back of my mind I'm going dude remember the uh Remember the year six play, you know, remember how you felt. Now, what are you holding on to? What do you have going on that maybe you're not acknowledging? So, mm. so I guess, um, long story, but going back to this about why I'm doing this, it comes back to seeing stress in other people when the Christchurch earthquakes happened. And like I was working on ZB as a host from midnight to 6am, I'd get phone calls from people at three in the morning you could hear them like weeks later, still shaking, you know, their voices still trembling, still having kids who couldn't sleep. And I went, dude, I'm just some buff headed nobody from, you know, Otipoti in Dunedin who can't do very much, but I love to talk. And I know that one of the things that these people were listening to us on Talkback about is they just needed a voice. And, mm -hmm. and look, they've still got that. Newstalk ZB is still there whatever that other one's called, Magic Talk, is that what it is? It's still there. I'm not saying anyone's not doing it well, but, like, why not have more voices? Why not have more places that people can come and chill and so they've just finished watching their latest show on Netflix and they're going to bed and they're feeling a bit like there's something in the back of their head that's not quite feeling right and there can be another voice in the house. 
It's great yeah. for podcasts. That's what podcasts are about. But the reason we're live streaming is we are here right now. It is as we speak, 9.42 on Thursday night. You are in, you know, Tauranga. You are in Christchurch. You are in Nelson. Maybe you're overseas and it's a different time, but we're here right now with you. Just hanging out and come hang mm. out with us. So, mm. so extremely long answer. The reason I'm doing this is because of my experience as being a talkback host with the earthquakes, but I also acknowledge that the stress and the stuff that you talked about and the triggering could still be a part of me, even though it's not feeling particularly that way right now. But I'm yeah. I'm wanting to be open and aware of that. So yeah, I'm man. open to that. Mm. Well, I, I know one of the things also that I've learned about, um, you know, I guess I won't get too much into the weeds because I don't want to be making claims, but at some point in life, we have to make claims, right? So the first thing I'd say is, you mentioned that you got to be careful not to, um, you know, uh, maybe I'll just paraphrase, s- complain when other people are out there going through some major stuff, right? The, the challenge with that, bro, is that stress is stress. And yeah, sure. I know from, from psychology, stress is something like a real threat or an imagined one. And the problem is with stress is that it triggers adrenaline, Okay. And it's all very logical. What happens is your adrenaline gets triggered and then we that that supports you getting into a fight or flight zone. And people can understand that, right? The thing that no one talks about, though, is when you're in a fight or flight zone, your other regulator, so the opposite to fight or flight. Pat, do you know the name to the, to the opposite end of fight or flight? Oh, well, I've always thought about fight, flight or freeze. Yeah, the and so what's things. the opposite to that? What's the opposite of fight or flight or freeze? I don't know. That's our challenge of why we have the skyrocketing mental health, because the opposite side is as important. It's that's right. Yeah, there's just a comment coming in here. The parasympathetic nervous system or rest and digest. And the answer's in the actual word rest and digest. So your digestion system turns off when you're in fight or flight. So you can't process food properly. Your reproductive system lowers. And like these are pretty major things. And so I think it's also advocating for people that it doesn't No, It does matter why you have these triggers, but it doesn't matter because it turns it on regardless if it's real or not. So that's why when people do Wim Hof breathing or hop in the ice bath, they're activating stress but then they're controlling it when they hop out. And I guess the other thing about the PTSD stuff is it's hard to control something like that, right? So, but um, yeah, man, and and I just think like when we talked about levels, like what is like a level zero or normal life or life where you can sleep without um, waking up in a sweat? That's what I'm aiming for, but I don't even know what that means anymore. You know, I've actually yeah. been reading a lot because I don't know what we're currently going through. Yeah. No, yeah. it's 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 really interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm reminded again, and I'm not I'm not relating it directly to the Christchurch earthquake, but I know a, a counselor based out of West Auckland who was working with ACC and she was going to Christchurch after the quake. And you talk about the digestive system. It's a, it's a bit of a weird way to think about it, but Christchurch was running out of toilet paper after the quakes. And one of the reasons is because the stress became 
upset tummies and upset tummies required more use of and i've noticed for me in the last few days i've had i've been a little bit on the edge with like i have i found a bit nauseous for that time period and i've actually because of my conversation with her about what she did as a counselor for people in christchurch i've kind of gone ah even though i'm not necessarily not enjoying my time right now i can feel underlying things that was one of my symptoms that i kind of went oh mm. and actually someone just asked me today how's your time and i'm like yeah it's actually feeling a bit better so I, i've i might have traveled through a bit a little bit because i think mm. as well we as a country and i don't know if you're feeling this but this lockdown feels very different to last year and i think it yeah. feels very different for a couple of reasons i think we be it subconscious or not we have a vaccine and and many people have it so even if people don't have it, they're like, well, I'll stay safe for the next few months and then I'll get it. But also we know so much more. I mean, I was out on the streets of Dunedin today. I went to the supermarket to load up for a birthday party. And um, I, I just noticed the streets felt like Sunday driving. Yep. It didn't feel like week one lockdown last year when it felt like Christmas morning with no one. You know what I'm saying? Um so I think the country might be being a bit more relaxed with us as well. I'm certainly feeling more relaxed, but I'm still trying to be honest with myself and, and with, with you and with other people that I think there's still, all of us have probably still got underlying things, even if we are finding this one yes. easier than the last one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we also have more time with ourselves, which is what we aim for when we suppress, right? So again, we won't go into too much of bog ourselves in the detail. We're just two chaps chatting but you know you can imagine a plethora of us going to nightclubs to booze to ooze you know whatever's happening in the mind to come but but of course that's that's just one way and 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 i think that's uh not a very good way actually it's a probably an effective way i think i read some studies around um, booze does turn off that overactive mind um but it also uh, it also, you know, um, it turns off that overactive mind, but then it comes back to haunt us the next day, you know, and, 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 and actually, I guess what I'm saying by that is where I've been really interested recently is what is this area of homeostasis or the center point, you know, balance, if you like something that it's incredibly hard to achieve, even though most people say they've probably got it, but they'd be, um, probably uh <laughs> what would you call it bending the truth and 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 how can we get better at pushing in and out of um those two zones that fight or flight or rest and digest and and um yeah man i just i find the whole lot fascinating because i i think again we're only really still in the zone of uh, a little bit panic a little bit upregulated and um and so that's probably why you know when you pitched me the idea to uh, come on the podcast i've also been um, exploring and researching and studying this world of kind of calm breathing and what that is and and how to access like a place where your mind where you'll lead your mind to a place where it won't be panicking you know fantastic before you go to bed for example and and this will um, freak you out or not but for the last year i've been actually taping my mouth closed i know this wow. is going to sound pretty weird like <laughs> taping it so that i'm forced to breathe through my nose at night and this is doing a couple of things first of all it's um supporting less snoring right less sleep apnea and choking 
and also it's a the, the, the nose and i segued us pretty hard to talking about the nose but um it's this beautiful inbuilt filter right that that switches nostrils every 90 minutes depending on what your brain needs for ventilation and clearing and, and so like it is all related but um i feel like no one's really talking about that stuff so i'm happy that the people joining us tonight get to hear a bit about it yeah, and not just the ones joining this tonight, because obviously this then becomes an on-demand product. So, for people who watch it, and 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 I'm ripping the audio as well, <coughs> pardon me, and putting it up as audio content. So, so not just people who are with us right now. Uh, speaking of, we have someone, and we've got to always mention the, the fellow Dunedin Knights. Uh, is it Threads in Time? Threads in Time, just his fellow Dunedin Knight. Um, that, yeah. I, I, there's a couple of things about you, Will, that I really appreciate. One is your voice. You have a very calming voice. So I thought of nothing else. Whilst we talk, I'll shut up some more and just let you talk. And as you talk, <laughs> people might just calmly drift off. It's a lovely voice. You have a lovely tone. Um, but I've been you know, following, as we've chatted a few times, we've never really chatted about breathing, but I've been following you on Instagram and watching your ice baths and watching your breathing. And um, I'm I'm quite sure that you've heard the stuff and the people that have been through some of the American podcasts and their conversations around breathing and, and that as well. And I thought you're a, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word practitioner. I don't know where you are in your actual expertise and how you'll claim yourself, but certainly more so than the average bloke uh, with someone with some of these techniques, techniques in calming. And dude, I'm, you can, I love being the dumbest guy in the room, educate me and you educating me might help some other people who are out there as well. If they're feeling a bit sort of, sort of stressed mm. or uh, overwhelmed, you know? Well, I mean, it's a interesting chat, bro, because it's not really a re-education. It's more of a, what's the word for a, a remit, you know, you got to, we, we know it, it's within us. We just forgot. And so I'm kind of one of those people and maybe it's a, the podcaster in me, like, I, it's not enough that I can set up microphones and studios. I need to know how to work it all, right? You're when, right. Like, for example, when you cut a shot tonight on your cameras, you're in charge of the whole lot. And that's a certain type of, I think, a personality. And it's like a, someone who's curious and wants to know how to make it all work and facilitate these conversations and have the fire in the background. And I think that's why we really get on. And I'm someone like that about many things, which is why I referenced, like, it's really tough for me if someone says, you know, just, just do this and it does that, you know, well, you've got to explain why. And that's the storyteller. You've got to um, help me understand why it's important for this. And so I went on this big deep dive and, Maybe to answer your question, I don't know where I am on the expertise level. I'm definitely on a voyage. Um, I probably know more than most just because I went back to study this a little bit. But mm -hmm. what do you mean when you study breathing? It's not in. <laughs> it's not in. It's only. It's only highlighted in little areas. It's highlighted, like in the Bible. It's highlighted as a practice tool for therapists. But it's not. There is no cause and effect that people would say, do this and it does that. But it is the only cause and effect. You only hyperventilate, which takes you into a state of panic, through your breathing. You're right. It's the most ultimate cause and effect. So the opposite is also true, you know. So if you breathe quickly, you will do the following. You will hyperventilate. And so the, my question was, what does that do? Well, it raises your blood pressure. It raises your heartbeat. You're preparing for battle, basically. 
you know it will dilate no what is it dilate what's the one where it constrict your eyeball uh, your iris so you mm-hmm. you have a, a a smaller field of view and you basically are ready for danger and so what kind of freaked me out is when i read that a lot of humans today a lot of people today breathe at a rate of mild hyperventilation that answers a lot of questions for me pat like you all know? the time you mean well, yeah, I think the optimal breathing rate is something like where humans used to breathe, let's say 500 years ago, would be around four to 10 breaths a minute. We're breathing really? around 15 to 20 breaths a minute. So that's why when I do breathing with people, it's based on this slower rhythm of about six seconds in, six seconds out. One, because there's really strong studies on that. And two, because I like the interweaving that it has with like um, uh, religion. And look, I'm someone who doesn't know where they sit on everything, but I like the idea that if you were going to breathe in a way that would connect you with God, the answer is that it would be breathing in a slow way that made you feel calm, that made you feel like hope exists, right? And and so that's that's that kind of rhythm. So like basically in short, if you breathe at a rate that's about six seconds in, six seconds out, you will activate, like someone said in here, your parasympathetic, your your calm state of the mind and body. And I think it's beautifully simple, but you can't tell people to be calm and then watch them breathing quickly the whole time, you know? It's like uh, we're, it's only, we're, we've really lost half of a story, which is um, if you breathe slow, you can access calm. So, yeah. Anytime you talk about this, surely... And I, because I know, because I'm doing it, you must feel the people around you start going, three, three, four, five. Yeah. Yeah. It must have happened. And part of me thinks, I mean, you'll know this. um, I I, I can't ever imagine that being a trained thing. I can only imagine that being something I always need to think about. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? So, like I can't I I can't imagine it being something that my body just naturally does. Mm. I I can only imagine that it would be something that I'd have to be concentrating to get the actual timing quote unquote right. Mm. Look, you raise a big interesting point here. So I've thought about this too a lot, right? Because I think when people tell you what's healthy and what's good for you, there's a lot of variety out there. Some of us are tall, some of us are short, some of us are thin, some of us are wide. We obviously have a lot of variety in life and in ourselves. So I think how I've consolidated it is that there's two systems that we have that we can manually drive and automatically, well, outsource automatically, and Mm. it's blinking. We can take over control of that and breathing. So there's an answer for me in there. And of course, I'm not making huge claims because I can't cite everything, but here's how I'd outline it. If you're someone who's, let's say, like a great ancestor of ours 500 years plus ago, you're more likely um, have control over your, you know, your body because you're moving more maybe, just on average. Um, you know, you probably, although you wouldn't have access to all of the awesome foods, well, You'd, you'd have to work for your food, something like that. So your temple, your vessel, would be your machine. 
and you could probably outsource a lot more to it. I think our bodies today require us to manually go to the gym to find, um, to feed it the right way, you know. And unfortunately, I think breathing is now one of those things where we can't just assume automatic overdrive. Sorry, automatic outsourcing. And I'll give you a reason for that. We used to chew a lot more, like up to four hours a day, our ancestors. So what did that do? Well, it gave us these big square jaws, you know, like the Brad Pitt jaw. Yeah, yeah. It blew my mind when I thought that the reason people like square jaws is because it actually signals health. So how did it signal health? Well, the jaw was strong enough to stay closed at night. And most of our jaws can't. So what happens? Our jaws fall open. And we know this because many of us snore, you know. Many of us have sleep apnea, which is kind of the airways getting blocked. And so that's why I was referencing, like, I take it, I've taken manual overdrive. I will never have a big square jaw because I just didn't chew the right food, maybe. But I can hack it. I can take manual overdrive and keep that mouth shut as nature intended. And then I can reap some of the benefits, which is the nose will breathe, will help you breathe slower and deeper, you know. So look, I, I don't know if that's interesting or not, but I like the, I like trying to work out that at scale, we're all trying to breathe better. But individually, we've got to find solutions and tips and tricks that work for us, you know. Look, I think the thing that's really interesting is is actually your story as well. I mean, I've I've watched you for a. I mean, I've been doing this for this iteration for. I think we started in August actually, so it's three years. Um, I don't know if you're about the same with. Please blow my mind. Um, but it feels like it's a similar yep. sort of time frame. And um, watching you on your own personal journey from afar and through your you know Instagram and that kind of stuff, and watching you. And tell me if I'm wrong, but this is this is what it looks like. Looking to attain more physical health and well-being, to maybe giving you a more emotional, spiritual, uh, mental well-being as well, and maybe insights. And it's mm. something that's an inspiration, and it's something that I don't know if I'm like I'm I'm a I'm a broken human being when it comes to physicality. You know, I don't have cartilage behind my kneecaps anymore. I've got arthritis in my lower spine. I'm I'm the kind of person that should be doing that, and I I struggle to. <laughs> what is I've got I've got arthritis in my spine. I struggle to have a backbone in, in more than one way. Um, I I I struggle. I look at you and I think, man, if I could have half of what it appears that you've got in drive to want to better yourself physically to help yourself holistically, you know, I would be a better person for it. And, and I'm saying that out loud. I know that people are going to go, we'll just do it. Like, yeah, that's easy to say sometimes. And for some people it's harder to do for whatever reasons. And I'm not looking for a pity party or anything, but it's one of the things that I'd really appreciate about you is looking at you and thinking, you know, maybe when I grow up, I can be like, Will one day, maybe. <laughs> Pat, I got to stop you, man. I got to stop you there <laughs> because that's, that's the drama we get ourselves into in life. That is a, inaccurate outline i'm i am like you too i'm trying to find a way that i can um make myself healthier and better i don't feel that way and i've actually never felt that way so i'm the youngest of 
three brothers and sisters from a second marriage. I'm like the baby. I'm like the ultimate spoiled <laughs> brat, right? And and although that gave me a prism to look through the world through love, it's it's non it's about it's worth jack shit in today's world. Sometimes it's awesome for my marriage and it's awesome for my kids and it's awesome to be a nice podcast host, but it's not useful because I can't look at pain and understand it because I was I was sheltered from that and I'm not right. saying I want pain but pain will find you you know <laughs> and so you know it might be your conscience or it might be unlucky moments or a plethora of things and I don't know what to do with that which is why I podcast I I'm, my my hypothesis would be that can you ask people who have come back from the abyss or pain itself can they transfer knowledge to you and can that be enough for you not to have to walk through that fire on your own i don't know what the answer is but i do know that clues come up like the kind of i started hearing too many people talk about uh, breathing in my podcast i started here and this was before these big words like breath work were repopularized. I also started hearing a lot of people talk in a way which very what talk in a way which was very spiritual, yet they would call themselves atheists. And I couldn't quite work out. I guess the big thing that revealed itself is that we're all more similar, which makes total sense. And that this need we have or this fascination we have with creating teams is like a bit of a not reality but it's hard to know what reality is when that's what you see you know the algorithm feeds us these things and i don't go down the rabbit hole too deep with that but it definitely feels like that right feels like there's this other kind of incentive here to um find the people who back up your thoughts and so i i i don't think i like that i I'm someone who, in the last month, I've had a Presbyterian priest, a Catholic um, dude, you know, someone who was a former cop who basically had PTSD. Now he's an artist. And I'm trying to, like, leech off them, really, and, like, share, share with me. And so my big one at the moment is the consolidation of having something bigger to believe in, you know? Mm. And I, I still don't know that but i definitely am worried that you know what's the the saying that throw the baby out with the bath water i think that if you believe in yourself as the god it, the world might be too heavy but i could be wrong there i mean i'm probably wrong there but you know what i mean like picking yeah i'm the hearing right you thing to to believe in um is 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 as it is our journey and i'm just at that point 40 years old uh, trying to work out how to make money and be happy and do all the things and um, also the consolidation that life is damn hard for people you know and and trying to find ways to articulate that and if I can funnel that through my content awesome if I can have friends like you who we can throw these ideas around awesome you know I think um, I th- it's really interesting. You know, when you hear someone say something else and you're like, that's a really interesting idea. Remind me to come back about the three days of lockdown and I'll give you an example. But I'll, um, I, 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 as you're speaking, I'm thinking it resonates with me quite a lot because 
Um, I didn't have a lot of pain in my upbringing. Uh, I had, you know, a, a, a family, immediate family, mum and dad, siblings. Uh, the thing that I found that there wasn't even any divorce around me. It's like all my my mum and dad's best friends and all of my uncles and aunts who lived where we lived, none of that existed. So all of the, all, uh, you know what I mean by authority figures, all the parental figures in my life were all two families, uh, my mum and a dad, they stayed together their whole lives, still they're all together now, other than the ones who have passed. Um, and, you know, and families all fairly successful financially, you know, not not necessarily rich or wealthy, but certainly doing fine. So so I, that's what I grew up in. So then when my marriage got to that point, it's like I was like, holy crap, what is this is, I don't know how, I don't even think I know how to deal with this because it's never been a part of my life. And it's like, this is, hang on, this, no, hang on. This is not supposed to be a part of my life because like all, you know, and you know, the shame that comes with that and the, and the self-loathing that comes with that and the suicidal ideations that comes with that and this utter failure. And, and, you know, for people who know my story and I'm not going to get into it now, people who have been with, known me for long enough. If you don't, it's on my blog. They actually, my marriage breakup, there was, it was, a, it was literally was a no fault breakup you know, no one did anything. And, and that to, to, to cause you know a, a marriage but even with like you know, a no fault a no fault breakup it was it was just something I I I didn't have the capacity to be able to deal with and part of that why it resonates right now is what you've just said about you know brought up in a pretty privileged safe you know um environment where there wasn't a lot of pain mm. so I I get it and and so you saying that is caused me to go yeah that's actually a really interesting perspective from my own life i've never thought of and um i'll just it's well, a tenure, but I'll, yeah, it's it a is yeah so, so thank you thank yeah. you yeah no, but, that was but, really but interesting. We, we, we have to really think about it that way because think about why it's like that it's most likely the case that someone a couple generations back suffered hard and i know for my mum she came from the cook islands you know six years old thrown into school you know, in the fifties or whatever it was, didn't know how to speak English, didn't know her name. Like we would arrest parents for putting their kids through that, mm. but she survived and built resilience and then used that as she went on in her life. And, you know, the first marriage was horrific and the husband, you know, like beat her to a pulp and just scraped through. Right. It's like every movie that we watch that, <laughs> that the hero has to go to the edge of, you know, the space continuum to come back and find something. And, and, and of course the gift they gave us was to keep us away from every bit of that. But the challenge we have now is life still that hard. And at times I think we're not prepared for it. And so when it hits us, it really hits us. Mm. And there is no answer here, Pat. I'm not saying anything. I mean, one example is she fed me like a king because she was hungry as a kid. Yeah. But yeah guess yeah. what I have now? High blood pressure as a 40-year-old, trying to constantly lose weight, having yo-yo diets where I've just come off a seven-day potato diet, trying to curb my addiction to sugar. But, you know, this is a life, like it's, they kept us away from pain, but they didn't really, <laughs> because now we have arthritis and, and stuff in our spines. And you know what I mean, bro? 
It's um, it's interesting to think what I what I hear, and I think about this with my parents sometimes, and maybe my mum more in particular because she was sort of, you know, the 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 caregiver in the house. Not that dad wasn't, but it was a traditional, you know, fifties couple that dad was out working and mum was at home caring for the kids. Um, and what I what resonates with me with what you're saying is, uh, she gave me what she could. They gave me what they could. Yeah. And I don't say this in a negative towards my folks, far from it, but they can only give you what they can, and it's not always what you need. I yes. think about that with my kids sometimes. Like, I can only give them what I can, and I'm sure when they're 20 and 30 and 40 and reflecting on their lives, they'll be going, oh, but Dad never gave me this, which is what I needed. Mm. Um, and And that's both terrifying and freeing at the same time yeah. because we all want to give our kids what they need, but... Uh, maybe that comes with uh, a self-awareness and authenticity. You know, mm-hmm. we, we try, but um, but like you're saying, it's like maybe the, the food stuff around with my upbringing and that as well is like we had, had treats and we had this and we had that, but that did cause pain later in life. So I didn't see the pain as a child, but later in life there was some pain that came with some of those habits and some of those uh, styles of living that my m- maybe my mum thought was as you say, feeding you like a king was, which was, you know, tr- treating, treating you, you know, giving you good things and giving you, you know, special things, but might not have been ultimately what was best in the long run, but not that no. they knew that. No. Yeah. And like, I'm just not being rude. I'm just loading up something on my phone. Cause I took a screenshot of something that I'm still processing and it was just the dad out there and I screenshotted it. So I don't know if you can see that, but he said, can you give hang your kids on, these on, let me go let me go full screen let me go full screen on okay. you and then it'll okay. be easier for everybody to say there we go full screen go for it so can you give your kids these things or can you give yourself these things can you mm-hmm. be present present patient resilient kind and loving and i had to really sit back because man i can't do all of those things i'm not tough enough or i'm not in a position where i can give all those things to work or podcast guests so tonight you'll get all of those things <laughs> thanks but 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 the challenges the ones who need it the most i think that's the true sign of strength right it's not a it's not a gender thing it's like a a, a, a people thing can you and it's probably where it comes back to the breathing can you breathe your way to calm say to get yourself out of it that fight or flight to be have a more peripheral vision to have a better blood flow, right? When you widen your blood vessels with slow breathing, you get better blood flow to the brain. And it's a really important thing. Your heart slows down. It tells the mind there's not a tiger chasing you. And the Mm. problem is, like, you know, those kids are little tigers sometimes. And, you know, I would like to be zen and be tough enough and disciplined enough, which is why you see me farting around with different exercise techniques. Because, like, (laughs) Can I master myself enough that I can handle them, even if they're poking at you, you know? And at the moment, the answer is I can't. And I think a lot of us are in that boat because, you know, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to be in control and balanced and not like a person where that's my way or the highway? And um, I think that's what they mean by all of the mindfulness conversation, Mm -hmm. you know? But I just don't think it goes deep enough for most people to understand why you would even need to be mindful. Yeah, I th- mm. yeah, it's, it's interesting having the um, the thought process or the explanation as to what mindfulness is. Because you're right, and I think we as human beings so often 
uh, hear something, read something, see a headline and go, yeah, I like that. Mm. But the actual truth and the authentic nature of understanding that is to go deeper as to what that headline means or what that mm. word means and how it then applies to your life. Because I think about mindfulness and I think about, oh, there's those cool apps on my phone and I can put the music on and it can talk to me and yeah, cool, cheer. I'll go go to sleep with one of those and it's it's a relax. I, I, I guess I think about mindfulness and the word that comes to mind is relax, but actually mm. mindfulness is so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's just like we're these multifaceted creatures that we've got to do it for ourselves and others. It's like even the capacity to think past, present, future is pretty mm. awesome, you know, but it's a heck of a burden as well. And um, I think that's something a little bit freeing at times when lockdown isn't hunting for you, which is like you're <laughs> just in the now. I had that with the last one until it got a bit weird. At the beginning, I was like, oh, I only have to worry about right now because you know, before there was vaccines and all that, there was no tomorrow. It was like, go to the supermarket, get what you need and come home and see if you can do that safely. And this one feels a little bit like a bad sequel, <laughs> you know? <laughs> the grown-ups too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, it's like Superman 4, you know? Like the, <laughs> the, 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 well, I don't know, it's a bad sequel, but the bad guy got badder, hey, you know? And, and the internet's, rampant now when everyone's kind of supercharged with like i was thinking about it the other day we haven't really we haven't really got through psychologically what has already been a pretty hefty year or two mm -hmm. but we're back in this you know i think there's a lot of people who had to really reconsolidate what life means to them professionally spiritually emotionally and and who's to say you can do all that in a year you know, because we're back into this, you know, and really it's, it's quite strange because we're just in these mini tribes again and, you know, we've got to kind of work through that, but it just, it unlocks everything. And it's like, what does tomorrow mean is the thing that haunts us, you know? Yeah. The thing I, the thing I came out of the last one with when I had this, this episode at the end of the year at my daughter's uh, recital thing was the, the phrase you know, about being kind to yourself was something I tried to impart into myself at the end of last year. And I remember thinking, you know, because last year was basically, it wasn't quite a nothing year, but certainly we lost so much time of it. And I'm just looking at an article right now over on the ODT and, and uh, David Skeggs is saying lockdown likely for weeks, COVID war for years. So it was like, geez, that's, that's pretty depressing. But I remember thinking, and, and still stand by this, that if you got anything achieved last year, that you should celebrate that massively. Like getting one thing achieved in 2020 would be like getting 20 things achieved any other quote-unquote normal year. Mm. And this idea of, um, you know, what we've put on ourselves and what we what we think of ourselves and how we and how we um, how we judge ourselves, like like what we consider to be important and how we rate ourselves mm. i think we're, we're typically human beings are harsh on themselves anyway you know we don't like to get too much praise most people don't you know people who do we don't like to be up the front too much we don't like to be too seen um but actually if if anything did anyone did anything last year achieved anything you know move forward in any kind of reason any kind of way 
there should be a massive celebration. And I think that should roll over to this year as well, because whilst for the first, you know, me and Bar, a couple of hiccups for some localised areas, for the first, you know, eight months, it was a pretty much a normal time in New Zealand. It still wasn't. And every now and again, I think all of us woke up to the fact that there was something, this thing was still out there. It's like we were living, like I used to watch, um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's a zombie program. It's on TV at the moment. It's um, Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Walking Dead. It was like we had this, and I, and I stopped watching after it about seven or eight seasons because all the storylines were basically the same every week. But I really, really liked it, what I watched. And you get these areas that are like a really safe city with big high walls and the zombies were outside. And that's kind of what it feels like now to me with COVID in New Zealand. It's like the that thing was at our border the whole time. And it was it was at the walls the whole time. And you know what? It's got through. So even though it feels like the first eight months of this year were kind of chill and most people were saying things like we're living like there was no COVID, it's not true because the fucking zombies were at that wall the whole time and we knew it. So that does again puts this thing about stress and you know what what it does to you and what it puts in the back of your mind constantly. So it was a it was a it was a constant thing. I think about people who are going through health issues and, and let's say they're going through some kind of treatment. And even if the treatment ends up being you know very good for them and they come through it, it's still on their mind constantly. It's always there. And I reckon that's what this year has. Last year, it was like the, the physical impartation of what COVID was and, and it still is, but was for that year. This year is like the mental impartation Impartation, that's not a word. The, the mental side of it still always being on our mind. So it was like always there as a threat for us physically last year. And it feels like this year it's always been for always been there for us mentally, which is as as exhausting, if not more exhausting, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, man. And that's what we're talking about, you know. Like if we took baseline measurements of um things that affect your mental health, you know, your heart heartbeat on average, your blood pressure, odds say we're all constantly in this state uh, particularly now you know with the with the um leading up to the one o'clock reports you know our blood pressure will be rising anticipation of what to expect and and there may be because it's a one-way street where you watch this content um and you don't really get a resolution or you have to wait around till six o'clock to see what it means for you you know it's not it's not clear how to process that and I think the thing that I find challenging too is I it's quite hard to know well it's a kind of conscious conscience thing you sit there and because you can't see your colleagues if you work somewhere you don't know if people talk about you or not so you don't know right. what's enough and what's not enough you know like there's the things that's okay not to be okay and you don't have to be all productive but really I really do think everyone still expects that you know, um, I think we kind of expect that, like, if you go to the supermarket, you expect an excellent level of service, mm. even though we do know that it's at a point where people don't have to kind of perform. Well, that's the messaging, right? I know, because I do some teaching, and part of the messaging was, let's not overwhelm the students. And I, again, I don't really know what that means, you know, <laughs> but... I kind of get the sentiment. Let's not bombard people with emails. But I looked at it and it's like, I'm sure they still are. I'm sure there's still a bombardment. Like my kids got emails and the teacher sent one to me saying, haven't heard from your kid. So I'm touching, I'm touching base. I still get the ones from work saying, we'd like you to complete the survey. 
Mm. You know, so we do expect a high level of service and delivery. Um, but I think the sentiment is right. Can we actually deliver that? Maybe, but at a cost. And I think one of the things that you sparked up before, and maybe I'll ask it a couple different ways. So have you interviewed Professor Julia Rucklidge from um, Canterbury University? So I she's not. an expert in micronutrients, right? Like just quickly, you've got like your fats, proteins, carbs, everyone knows those. Those are the macronutrients, right? But the micronutrients are the vitamins and all of the building blocks, right? They're the one, they're the, they, they feed the brains, our brain. She did research during the Christchurch earthquake where people who had a good micronutrient base, they mm -hmm. ate enough of the right things, were more resilient to life when it came for you. Right. And I guess one of the things you sit back and you think there's so many different things we can be doing, whether it's breathing exercises or making sure that uh, our micronutrients, but we've outsourced the whole lot. Right. Lots of people can't go to the gyms anymore. That means exercise has stopped. We still go to the supermarket. We trust that everyone will have our best interest in mind when it comes to food. But the, the micronutrients, the building blocks of life that help you um, get out of a panic state, they're mm. hardly even regulated, you know? So it's like, I think for me, we can only ask ourselves to do so much in the modern world. And I, I think the best thing is like exactly what we're doing now. Like trust that it's enough to hang out with other people. And right now it's digitally. And hopefully in your bubble, it's physically. Lean on that, you know, that's what I've been trying to lean on. Like, listen to that, um, um, practice those things I was talking about. Can you be resilient, patient? And, you know, if you can't, it's like, they're all clues, eh? They're all clues, as is anxiety, clues that something's not right. But, of course, that's life's journey, which is like, well, how do you find the answer to that stuff? And I'm not sure, but um, I think it's a combination of things, and I'll let you know if I find it. <laughs> Well, I'm sure if you do find it, we can hear it on your podcast. It'll be pretty <laughs> true that, true you, I was going to say, you're in like a your, your home studio now and you're showing us just lean to the side so we can see. So you got your sort of little sitting area behind you where people do their, their conversations back there. You had a you had a van at some one stage. Eh? You're going around places in the van. You, have you still got the van studio? I've still got the van, but I've pinched a few things out of the van to make the, the hub um, <laughs> work. And I think the the... I'd like to redo the van, but I'd like it to be a motorhome. I, I like the idea of plug and play. You know, there was too many little fiddly things. First and secondly, I'm like six foot five, so I just fit in the van. Right. And it's kind of mildly interesting for the guests, but not really. They're like, why are you squeezing into this little space? And so, kind of like what I like about bringing in a guest here. Is it still a tiny bit awkward inviting someone to your house? We don't really do mm. that, particularly with people we don't know. But I like the idea of this space and we can sit down and have a good chat. And I actually did a post the other day that I don't even share the full video and I haven't for a while. So I don't even know why I do it, but I like the idea that I'll make the space look nice for someone in real life. Mm -hmm. And I'll try and transfer all of that in-person connection to the digital space that's something i'm exploring at the moment is like 
I know this, for example, is working really well, but I just feel like I, I need a bit more. I need a little, I need that in-person connection to really, look, this is going to sound weird, but transfer chemically, right, to to be there with me. And I, I have a real deep instinct that that's even more important now that um, we're in these kind of stages of can't can't see other people. Yeah, but also just from a, I mean, I'm not saying you put on a performance, but from a, from a performance point of view, from from actually doing something, having someone across the room for you, it's so much easier. I'm finding with me that doing this digitally is, uh, is is great on one hand because I get access to people all over the world. You know, I've got I've got requests in with people on every continent of the world at the moment, which is sort of what I've always well I haven't always done it actually because I used to I used to just only do face to face. That was sort of one of the things we did. I never wanted to go near. It was then Skype. Of course, now everything is Zoom. Um, but once lockdown happened, we started this. So the benefit was, uh, we can talk to anyone in the world and we have every country in the world. Um, but the downside is even if the conversation's very good and very confident and very kind of bouncy, I'm still finding that there might be a point where if it was in person with someone, I'd go, oh, but what about, and because of the op- opening and closing the gates of the technology of these things, you don't want to start talking and cut their last sentence off. And so, yeah, there is that hindrance there as well. But I think, I don't know if it's just me um, or whether the technology is just caught up a little bit. I think I've got it to a point now where I, I don't want to say I almost enjoyed more doing it digitally <laughs> than in person, but I say to people now who are like coming through Dunedin, because um, you know the idea was someone would be coming through Dunedin, so I'll have you in studio when you come through. I now like if you'd like to talk before you get to Dunedin, we can just do it digitally. You know, it's not a problem either way you want to do it. And I kind of leave it up to them if if it's possible to either do it in person or digitally. I ask them what they want, um, but I give them the option. So I'm I think I've got it to a point where I'm quite comfortable. I, I have pages and pages and pages of they're all over here. All these things. There's um there's Re- Rebecca Campbell's page there and tom sainsbury's page and you know and just pages of people that when they're talking i'll jot something down because i don't i don't want to cut them off so rather than cutting them off i just jot down what the question was on justin o'sullivan's page so i just jot down the question and i let them finish their point and then i come in which many might say that's how an interview should should kind of go maybe you shouldn't be jumping in on their feet you should wait for them to finish so maybe on some level it's made them better content anyway i don't know Hey, who's your? I've got two questions to follow up on guests you've had. Who's who's someone that like you were really pumped to have on the podcast, and who's a guest that made you a bit nervous to talk to, like where you could catch yourself feeling a bit anxious? I don't think I've ever really felt nervous. Wow. Uh, Jimmy, having Jimmy Nation in my house in the studio was kind of cool. That's kind of good fun. Um. I don't think I was really, this is the thing about not feeling pain on the upbringing. I was quite lucky perhaps on some levels in my upbringing because my dad was the president of the Auckland Rugby Referees Association, which means we went to all the Auckland Auckland aftermatch functions and any all-black aftermatch function that was held at Eden Park, we went to them. So as a kid, as a little fellow, you know, not that necessarily, you know, I knew them or they knew me, but I was in the room with, you know, Zinzan Brook and the Brook Brothers and, you know, John Kerwin and these sort of guys. And my dad also ran a business he had um, Martin Sneddon and Martin Crow were two of his clients. And I used to go to a gym when I was at St. Peter's College called the Institute of Sport. And Martin Crow used to go there as well. And 
he knew enough of me that he, that I was Bede's son that when he was leaving and I was coming in, he'd say hello and he'd talk to me for two minutes. And I'm just like, whoa. You know, as Martin Crow was a cricketer, it was like the, one of the world's best batsmen. But I think because I had that when I was a kid, um, I can tell you who, what person, it wasn't one of my podcasts, I've told him this as well, what person made me feel most nervous being around. Um, but as for the podcast, there's not there's not really anyone that I can think of that's made me go, ooh. I mean, I had Russell Howard when he was in, in MIQ, which is probably the biggest name I've had. But he's a comedian and he's fun. And, you know, it was like, oh, and g'day, mate. I mean, g'day, mate. What are we talking about? You know, and then it was just mm. off and running sort of thing. I also think stylistically, because what I do kind of literally as the empty beer cans are sitting around here is sort of over a beer and a casual chin wag. That, yeah. that sort of goes well. But the, a story that is the, the the time I felt the biggest sort of nerves was actually my first radio job when I was working for More FM in Auckland. I was doing the mid-dawns, as everyone starts off radio doing, um, and Jeremy Corbett walked into the studio because he did Kim and Corbett in the morning. And I was like, I got really nervous when Corby walked in. Ironically, I know him well enough now to text him and say he wants to come on one of these later and he's not available, but, you know, through relationships we now know him but the first day he walked in i was like Whoa. and i realized while i was there that he'd done everything i was attempting to do um i was working for theater sports auckland at the time doing improv comedy that sort of stuff he'd done all of that he was a successful stand-up he was like probably one of the best radio announcers in the country and when he walked into the studio i was like holy shit so he wasn't like a boyhood hero or anything, but he was someone who made me, gave me those butterflies. And other than him, I honestly can't really think of too many people, certainly no one that comes to mind on my podcast. There's been a few times I've been a bit nervous about podcasts. When I talked to Megan Murphy, I was a bit nervous about that podcast, you know, because mm-hmm. she's seen to be some terrible human being, which I'm still a little bit unclear as to why. Um, well, also, especially if you hear people um yeah you know i think if you hear people a lot you get into forgetting that you've got your audience to serve so you jump into these things that you've heard and you're fascinated with you know which is like a lesson from me about interviewing people that are really well known is that actually i quite like the idea of just interviewing people that um i have a gut feeling about and do you, do you have that are you calculated do you have a gut feeling about guests that you want to bring on this is probably i think this is probably both my weakness and my strength as i talk to people who interest me i don't actually think about the audience very much at all i follow the build it and they will come philosophy and i've always kind of been whether it was doing radio or making digital content or whatever um, I mean, you know, some of the stuff you've worked on, some of the stuff that I work with Elephant TV, and that I've always kind of done stuff that's interested me, manufactured it, and put it out there for people to either enjoy or not enjoy. And sometimes they don't, and sometimes they do. So um, the only time that I can think of being calculated recently was like I'd love to talk to um, it's Billy, is Billy TK? Is that his name? The guy, the conspiracy yep. theorist. I actually am really interested to talk to him. Um, but I've made a calculated decision not to because of the information he's putting out there that I don't actually want to put out there. But it's, it's I'm, I'm torn on that one because I actually, you know, I talk to flat earthers. I talk to, you know, I, I want to do a, I want to do a debate. I'm, I've just started watching that Q and on series off HBO. You know, they've done a documentary series. I'm really interested 
in um, like some of the documentaries that I like to watch are always about the creative process. So like, you know, the Foo Fighters back and forth, Six Days to Air, the South Park documentary. I like watching and learning about the process, but I like that in people as well. I want to know, why do you think this? You know, what what does it show me the line? You know, like I've got a request in with Mike Lindell, the my pillow guy, and his office came back to me two days ago saying, you know, tell us more. And I like, I just want to know, like, show me your sequence as to how you've got to Trump had the election stolen from him. Like I genuinely want to know. Um so yeah, the the only calculation I think for the audience has, has been possibly to go, I don't want to do this. I don't really have many calculations for the audience to say, I do want to do this. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I mean, every now and then I'll flick through and just see the people you're interviewing. Actually, I was on your YouTube page the other day and I was just scrolling through and I was like, um, you get some pretty big hits on some of your videos too, eh? which is cool. Oh, yeah, I think occasionally. I mean, you know, it's not the, like I mean, obviously we're, yeah, it is, but we've just been platformed by stuff and that's where, most of our audience, video audience, at least is coming from, but always my audio audience has been bigger than any of the video anyway. So even though we do all of this and we make it look pretty and stuff, I still think in its uh, absolute essence, this is still an audio podcast first. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like to interview Dave Rubin? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, that was a huge, that got a lot of exposure overseas because Sam Cedar's group picked up on it and ran with it. Um, I think I missed a few things with him, but he was one of those guys so people don't know who Dave Rubin is. He used to be a left-wing commentator. He saw the light ah, and went to the right and became a right-wing commentator. A lot of people who are left on the left that used to work with him think of him as a bit of a grifter. That basically he's now offering opinions because that's where the money is as opposed to it being his genuine self. I, I'm not saying that's my position. I don't know. But I was interested in, in that story. That was why I wanted to talk to him because I was interested about that story. Um, but he was one of those guys that I felt gave a lot of pardon the pun but pat answers like the answers that were sort of just talking points because with american commentators especially right-wing ones i always want to say you know why is my i like what i want to what i've got a couple of requests in at the moment for some american right-wing commentators i want to ask them why is my country so terrible and why is new zealand so terrible compared to america why why is our healthcare system you know so terrible you know so terrible that you guys will actually fight to keep it out of your system but that's what I want to know. I want to know what's what's the um, what's the upside of America and the downside of this, and you know why why do you seem so malleable in your political leanings when you know the the Reagan Republican would look like a Democrat today compared to the Trumpian? You know, like tell me tell me about this process. Tell me about why you know you wouldn't put in Merrick Garland before um, before Obama left, and you refused to have someone ten months out voted in before an election, but you know. Uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, you put someone in like a month before an election, you know, just tell me about it, explain it. And I know we could all go, always go, well, it's hypocrisy and it's just, you know, self-serving and that's true, but, but I still want to know why. And when you present someone with it, I want to know why. I mean, there was a guy for the January 6th, um, uh, attack, you know, in the, in the Capitol building who went, oh, you know, if you, if you didn't know what it was, it wouldn't look much like a, like a, it would look pretty much like a normal day at the Capitol. And I just wanted to go, well, here's a video of the people kicking the door in. Is this what you see at the normal day? I, I just want to understand, you said that, now we're looking at it together. You know, expand, please expand. 
because I want to mm. know why. Maybe maybe a part of that is that kind of Irish red-bloodedness of me that is kind of looking for a bit of a fight. But mm. actually, it's only because I want you to stand by your words and explain to me what you mean. And if you can't, I actually kind of want you to say, to back down, because mm. you should. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? To, I think it's one of those things that we were re- referencing earlier. It's hard for me to understand why someone would actively try and deceive. But yeah. that's because I don't understand. I haven't been put in that many times where it would be part of my makeup, right? But put me in that scenario. I mean, one of the books, it's probably an extreme I'm, I'm reading at the moment, is Ordinary Men. And um, I don't know who the author is. Maybe I'll just have a look if everyone who doesn't know wants to have a look from it. Uh, it is by Christopher R. Browning. And basically mm-hmm. it's the story of, um, you know, the Nazi soldiers, but the early ones, before it was this implemented system, you had to take people and raise them or brainwash them to be something else, to be monsters. And I think I'm fascinated by that transition. You know, I have been on a bunch of um, YouTube rabbit holes, not recently, but over the uh, past couple of weeks about North Korea, because I think I've seen, uh, um, I forget her name now, but she popped up on a few international podcasts and talking about escaping um, North Korea. And the bit that really sits with me is, you know, I think one thing this guest said, I should have a look, uh, but it was that um, it, it was a diff, there was a time when it was different right when it had um like when the language had a word for love and stuff like that and Mm. that the fact that if you're there now and don't know that there was a past i think that's the tension of things where people like um whether conspiracy theorists or like i think on a deep down level either they're consciously or unconsciously acting a bit like a antibody right you know but 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 to whether it's useful or not, you could just be uh, a piece of whatever, um, not useful. But it feels, yeah, I don't really know what I'm saying, apart from the fact that if you look at the immune system, which is quite relevant because COVID attacks the immune system, it needs to be strong. And to be strong, it has to work against itself. And I, and I sometimes feel that that's what, um our our civilization does you know it pops these things up to prevent uh things being too pure you know and i I wonder if that's what annoys people about uh this kind of you know i've heard and seen some of the um, stuff around you know biden and uh, just recently saying say you were wrong if you if you think that you know, because when you don't, you're, you're really galvanizing that people are going to have to force their way into that conversation. You know, like a yeah. parent, maybe. Can you just admit that you didn't get it right? And then yeah. we can work on a, a And that's the worst in politics. You know, people who say things like, I never said that. And you're like, well, actually, you, you know those big things with the lenses that sit in front of you that record every word you said? Now we'll play the 19 times you did say that. It's like just, yeah. Uh, I, I I remember I wrote a piece for my blog. I, I don't write very much, but it was before the last American election. And I'm like, the Hunter Biden thing came out 
and you know Hunter Biden is is been given jobs that he shouldn't have been given because of his qualifications, thanks to his dad and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, Biden just needs to come out and be 100% honest. Nepotism is a thing. It is an ugly thing. My family has benefited from nepotism. Mind you, just so you're clear while we're talking, look of the Trump children that are currently sitting in the White House. Don't let anyone think that this is a Biden issue. This is an ugly thing. I apologize to you if you like it. What I can promise you is from here on out, I will be fighting first and foremost for the American people and that nepotism won't be a part of my, you know, you know just, just own it, apologize for it and move on. But, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that's a really, and there's not, I'm, let's not get bogged down necessarily in political conversation no, no, no. In, in life no, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it comes back to that idea of, are they surrogate gods and can a God admit, God's wrong, right? And I don't look, I'm not trying to say it is or isn't like that, but my question to myself was what's worth believing in at the highest level? And I don't know. So that's why I'm on this journey of trying to suss that out. But a God probably can't say they're wrong, they're above that. And if we've put this surrogate deal in place where our politicians are our gods, you know, um, then it's like, well. Yeah, other people are going to have to say it. I saw one of the clips that went viral is Jocko Willink kind of talking. He's a um, does a lot of podcasting. He's a former Navy SEAL, as far as mm-hmm. I could see. And his whole his whole clip was what Biden could have said, right? And it's basically like a father would say, or a parent, or a person. Sorry, but look, yeah, it's very complicated, and I'm definitely not equipped to. Uh, speak to that level because I know there's more things going on than just um, my thoughts but you know at the end of the day there's a lesson in that too to just bring it back calm it down um, slow it down and you know it gets me to tape my mouth shut when I'm sleeping try and breathe through my nose (laughs) but just look just finally on that thing the idea about apologies and and being gracious and we're funny me and Tim Bat were talking about this exact thing last night purely by chance um, is that, you know, we recently had an apology for the Dawn Raids and I saw some of the Pacifica community that attended that and what was being said by them and written about them and on their Facebook pages and stuff. And it meant so much. I remember when, and I think it was Kevin Rudd, I could be wrong, but when the Australian Prime Minister of the day finally apologised to the you know Indigenous people of Australia about what, you know, the stolen generation. And I'm not Australian and I remember being in tears watching it from New Zealand, you know, the, uh, the, the, and I'll say genuine authentic apology is, it's so powerful and it's Mm. so disarming. And, you know, if you, I mean, we can just take it on an interpersonal level. If you wrong your partner, if you wrong a friend and you go to them with an authentic and genuine apology and look for their forgiveness, it's the, it's the, it's just it's more powerful than you can even explain uh, and it's the way to move forward in, the, in that interpersonal relationship so obviously for these apologies that we're seeing for groups of people it, it is the way to move forward as well and mm. yeah i i think that um we should be fast to apologize and slow to hold on to our arrogant positions <laughs> but <laughs> i think we have a bit of life yeah if, but it's the other way right those dawn raid apologies took 30 years type thing. Yep. Too long. You know? And so there's something in that too, where, you know, it's not, not that you can apologize. It's that you're the next generation, the next generation, 
have to do it. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, look, it's fascinating for me to try and work out small ways to contribute that are positive. And I feel like a lot of us, a lot of people are trying to organize that too, you know, which is why, you know, I think there's a giant uptake in things like donating towards causes and Patreon accounts and, you know, different ways to support on a small level. Um, and, and for me, the jury's out whether we're contributing or not, you know, like two non-experts in many fields weighing in <laughs> on lots could just be adding to anxiety, but I feel like the fireside chat's a really good well, campfire session, right? We spent many a night pondering together, trying to, what, stay close to the fire to keep warm and to uh, be in numbers so that as to not get eaten by an animal. And, like, what's really changed? It's just the, the animal's a, a virus and probably our own thoughts. So... I think it's really nice to hunker down and do this, even if we have to do it digitally. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about, you know, they talk about, you know, the marketplace of, of yesteryear was a literal marketplace that the community went to meet and, and, and discuss things. And now we talk about the marketplace being more digital for, for things. And I guess, as you say, the, the campfire in the background there tonight is digitally. Maybe there's something in there. Maybe there's something for the future to you know, film a few of these around a proper campfire and see what kind of conversations will come out with a group of people. That could be really interesting. That would be really awesome. And and cathartic. And I bet you it would tick the boxes of all of the outcomes. You know, like uh, one of the big things I know in the Pacific community um, is the loss of language. You know, so how about you take the pressure off people speaking in that language and you provide an environment where you would want to speak? Yeah, you know, and I think like that's where we've got to get right back to that um, very primal way. I like I like this word primal at the moment because mm. it's not so bogged down in the all the negative stuff, but it's more like, you know, like a, get ourselves into a zone where we would feel like working for each other. You know, um, like a podcast. That's what I think we never talk about as podcasters, is your guest and you or us two right now and the audience. We're all working for each other. You know, and I think that's why it's such good fun and why you've done hundreds of them. And so have I, you know, and why you probably could make money easier, but something quite nice, not knowing what you're going to say next or I'm going to say next, but it seems to always work out. It's quite, uh, I don't know. It feels like it's, um, very spiritual in some ways, you know, it is funny how, like, especially when I have academics and stuff on, because, you know, like I said, dumbest guy in the room get an academic on and how all of a sudden this epiphany comes oh so we had one the other day oh so we're kind of talking nature versus nurture and then once you kind of barrel it down to a layman's conversation it then just expands out again and and, and goes for it and yeah i mean i was thinking as well about the campfire i think i uh, one waitangi day we used to own a property in west auckland that was on the monaco harbour big big section it was like a 12 bedroom house it used to be like a uh, like a almost a camping ground and we decided to have a, a hungi for waitangi day and had friends who would do the hungi and came around and ended up having like 250 people coming for this hungi and we're talking it was fucking amazing eh? um but i remember the hungi being lit at, you know it was still dark so who knows 5 30 in the morning and all of us being down there on the grass and 
watching the flames and just those conversation happening around the literal fire was was a really special memory and 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 as i say that thing to you about doing one of these in real life i kind of go oh so that sparks something i can just i can just imagine that being a a primal you know something that you might get some real authentic conversations and Absolutely. that excites me that excites I, me i think we should do something like that you should do it or we should connect and do it because um you know kind of beautiful that we would use this digital skill set we have as a secondary feature at the moment it's the primary outcome yeah and i think it's like we've got to find a way to put it you know it's got to be second it's got to serve us and the more ways we can make it serve us i think uh, uh the better you know better for our mind and body and beyond you know hey um well it's been a blast hanging out with you by the by the campfire by the fireside tonight um just for people who are who are tuning in and still watching and will pick us up on demand uh there will not be one of these on friday night tomorrow night as we record this because as i've said during this podcast we have a birthday party going on in this house and i will be attending that and apparently the movie is going to be bohemian rhapsody we've decided that's what it's going to be <laughs> and the cake will be getting made tomorrow afternoon and we'll be having a celebration in my house tomorrow night so they won't be doing one of these but i think we're going to be backing in on saturday night so if you've been hanging out with us and enjoying these sort of live streams to have company then we i think we're probably back saturday night probably 9 30. um just have a look on the facebook page oh that's where we're supposed to run the banner that's what we do isn't it like we'll do this hang on. <laughs> uh have a look on there we go do that there we go uh come check us out on the facebook page it's the best place to find updates as to who's coming up and when they're coming up uh but also um podcast tell people how to find you bro absolutely so you can just search please blow my mind on any of your favorite podcast platforms um, i'm also on instagram at please blow my mind and if you check if you want to check out anything to do with the breathing i've started uh, along with a friend of mine a company called manava breathing m-a-n-a-v-a breathing and it's all based around this ancestral breathing of nasal breathing and slow breathing and breathe in breathe out and i've got plenty of little guide things on there there's a free app you can download on iphone manava breathing and it's just based on like slow it down and beautiful things happen um on not by accident on purpose you actually drive yourself into a calm state which is one of the big things we've forgotten in this modern world of high speed everything yeah cool man hey well again thanks for coming and joining in and being a part of this crazy thing we're doing to keep people company and let's be honest keep ourselves company as well you know and have interesting chats with people we know and love yeah pat well thank you brother thank you for doing this um i'll, I'll champion you because it's hard to do that you're the one putting in these hours at 10 to 11 on a thursday night Holy and, and 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 serving humanity so on behalf of us man thank you so much all right dude hey have a good one and we will talk soon and we'll start planning that uh uh that live uh, fireside we're we calling it primal this yeah. is the primal the primal podcast we'll have to where we're going to meet it's going to be nelson or is it going to be wellington it's going to be somewhere in the middle it's going to be one side or the other you choose and we should re redub the song primal countdown <laughs> <laughs> all right dude take it easy thanks people Bye, might see you on sunday uh, saturday night if you're tuned in uh, right now and uh, be safe wash your hands and remember if you are watching this live stream tomorrow three o'clock uh, we find out what's happening with the country uh, fingers crossed especially for those of us in the south island
But no, for everybody, but especially for us, but for everybody. All right, catch you guys.